Greetings, this is Eric Sinrod from the San Francisco office of Dwayne Morris bringing you our weekly Tech Law 10. It's a rainy day here in the Bay Area, but we need the rain because we're in a terrible drought. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, Jonathan Armstrong over in the UK. And uh, Jonathan, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and also let us know your thoughts about uh, search engine issues. I, I believe you're uh, considering that today. Yes, I am. Yeah, and thanks, Eric. And welcome uh, to a sunny UK as well. We don't need the rain as much as you because we've had, uh, you know, Noah would be proud of the rainfall that we've had over the past few months in the UK. But I'm um, into just into month two of my time at uh, Cordry, but still very much enjoying doing these podcasts with Eric. And a colleague uh, and I have been writing this week on uh, search engines. And why have we been writing about that again? Well, we've written an article in Managing Partner because Erwin uh, Mitchell, a well-known law firm over here in the UK, found itself suspended from uh, Google recently so that the natural uh, search engine results, they're the sort of non-paid-for advertised bits on Google, so the bits after the bit at the top and the bit at the right, if you can imagine the page, um, they'd, they'd been suspended from natural search because they were alleged to have broken some of Google's rules and what it seemed had happened is that Erwin Mitchell had paid an agency to enhance its presence on Google. And they'd done that by trying to reverse engineer Google's uh, algorithm, which determines how sites should, um, should rank. Now, part of that algorithm apparently works on the number of links to the site from other sites. And this agency allegedly sort of spammed forums and created hundreds of links in different parts of the Internet that all pointed back to the law firm's homepage. As a result, Google uh, picked this um, reverse engineering or attempt to reverse engineer its algorithm up and uh, suspended the site completely. Now, the technical workings of Google's search results are one of the uh, unfathomable mysteries uh, of, of the world, you know, almost like what happened to the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, Eric. But um, Google do have a history here, and they have taken action to discipline uh, people that they say uh, are offenders in the past. And, of course, there has been litigation going back over the years uh, going back to 2000, certainly in the UK, over meta-tagging, an earlier system in which search engines were influenced. Meta-tags are almost like uh, the road signs around the Internet that point in different directions. And uh, a bit like people with sandwich boards uh, in Times Square pointing people at blind alleys in some cases. Uh, and as I say, we've had litigation over the last 14 years or so in the UK a very big piece of litigation in uh, 2004. And very early on, people were asking search engines, Google included, to provide their algorithms as part of this litigation. And Google historically have uh, resisted that. 
Now, it seems to me that this is likely to be uh, a trend that we're going to see more and more of, particularly when companies, law firms and others, outsource their search engine optimization to third parties, and particularly when they haven't done proper due diligence on those third parties. Because whilst some people in that industry are undoubtedly very scrupulous, honest, and above board, others, particularly those that are getting paid by results, and that's a prevalent thing in this industry, will use all sorts of techniques to try and gain an advantage, get up in the rankings, and demand more money from their clients as a result. So it seems to me that this is a, a, a website compliance disaster waiting to happen for many firms, and they'll need to understand search engine optimization much more. They'll need to do better due diligence on any SEO agency that they use, and they'll need to have clear terms and conditions with their suppliers telling them what is and is not expected of them. And unless my memory is fading with my oncoming senility, Eric, there was similar litigation, I believe, around the same time in the U.S., and this very rarely happens to me, but I have memories of a Playboy-type site that had uh, some litigation over that many years ago in your part of the world. Is that, is that right? Well, who could forget? Yes, you're absolutely right, and you, you raise an interesting topic, and you provide some interesting comments, so thank you, Jonathan. Yes, uh, not that long ago in Internet history, we had the case of Terry Wells, and Playboy. Uh, and Terry Wells, as some of us remember, was the 1981 Playboy Playmate of the Year. She later left Playboy, <clears throat> established her own uh, internet site, terrywells.com, where she, like Playboy, uh, uh, had you know, shown on her website uh, photos of attractive women, sometimes not fully dressed, shall we put it that way. I was trying to choose my words carefully, Jonathan. And, done delicately, uh, it, like an Englishman, Eric. I'm doing my best. I'm learning from you. But uh, you know, <laughs> all, well, all well and good to that point. But then she also used meta tags, and these are words that you know do trigger you know search engines, but they're not necessarily visible to the naked eye. Pardon the pun. So you can have embedded into your site, and as she did, she had embedded into her site you know some of Playboy's trademarks. Um, and uh, you know the real question was, you know, was she essentially infringing on Playboy's trademarks because by using them in her meta tags, uh, if somebody went onto Google, for example, and typed in Playboy, you know, one of the natural search results would pull up TerryWells.com by virtue of her having used Playboy's uh, trademarks. And so Playboy uh, initiated litigation to have her cease doing that, arguing that even though the trademarks weren't visible. Uh, in her meta tags, they were functional. And ultimately, um, Terry Wells actually won that case principally because the judge ruled that Terry Wells is the 1981 Playboy Playmate of the Year, so it was accurately identifying who she is. If I had a website, for example, Jonathan, and I use Playboy's trademarks, you can guess, in my meta tags, you can guess that that would not be successful because, surprise, shock, I was not a Playboy Playmate ever, uh, so <laughs> much to my chagrin, right? Uh, in any event, uh, you know, so in that very narrow circumstance, it was it was permissible. But I think your advice is absolutely correct that in terms of search optimization, there needs to be care 
you know, especially as the Terry Wells case points out, uh, if you know you're using trademarks uh, of another company, that, that can get you into hot water. In addition to uh, the uh, the matters that you raised. Um, so I turn it back to you, Jonathan. This has been an interesting topic. Uh, I'm delighted we're continuing our, our Tech Law 10. Uh, I'm Eric Sinrod at the San Francisco office of Dwayne Morris, EJ Sinrod at DwayneMorris.com. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you let folks and remind folks how they can find us through social media outlets and close it down. Yes, I will do. Thanks, Eric. And uh, very neatly steered through the uh, minefield there. Uh, I'm uh, Jonathan Armstrong. I remain Jonathan Armstrong, but this time I'm Jonathan.Armstrong at CauderyCompliance.com. Caudry is C-O-R-D-E-R-Y. You'll find us easily on Twitter. I'm uh, at ArmstrongJP. You'll find us on uh, LinkedIn. We have a Tech Law 10 area. I'll post the link to the article we just talked about there. And we'd be delighted if you joined us again in a week or so's time. Uh, same same place uh, on the dial and uh, uh, you can you can find us at www.techlaw10.com or on itunes we'd love to have your company speak to you again soon cheers <laughs>